0: from the laboratories of Your Name Here had come the key to the secret that had baffled man through the ages. No longer a dream, but a reality was Your Product Here. A brighter future unfolded thanks to Your Name Here. Employment boom. Not only in the vast modern facilities of your name here, but in factories everywhere, geared to supply this vital new industry that is reshaping our economy and transforming the lives of millions.
1: This episode of Diffusion Science Radio is supported by you, the listener. Make a donation directly to www.diffusionradio.com. Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Sit back and relax while we inject weird and wonderful science directly into your brain. I'm Ian Wolfe. On this edition, we visit Maker's Place and we rethink sleep. But first up, here's the news. 3D printed high-rises. This time last year, Winsun Decoration Design Engineering in China used their 3D printers and special ink to build 10 houses in less than 24 hours. In 2015, they've printed a 5-storey apartment block and an 1,100 square metre mansion with 3D printed decorations inside and out. The 3D printer array developed by CEO Ma Yi is 6.5 meters tall, 10 metres wide and 150 meters long. It builds up layers of an ink made from a mixture of glass fibre, steel, cement, hardening agents, and recycled construction and mining waste. Maybe with all our mining waste, Australia should be exporting this kind of ink. They construct the walls layer by layer like most additive manufacturing. Winsun plan to build a hundred recycling facilities around China to keep up with demand for their building ink. Using a computer-aided design template, a computer controls a mechanical extruder arm to lay down concrete, which is treated with special hardeners so that each layer is strong enough to support the next, one wall at a time. The pieces are joined together at the construction site. These walls have a diagonal reinforced print pattern inside that leaves a lot of air gaps to act as insulation when they're assembled on site. Winsun is able to print out large sections of a building, which are then assembled together to create the final building. Winsun estimates that 3D printing technology can save up to 60% of building materials, shorten production times by up to 70%, while decreasing labour costs by up to 80%. Cheaper? and faster. Future applications include 3D printed bridges or tall office buildings that can be built right on site. The $160,000 mansion is a prototype for a set of 10 that's been ordered by Taiwanese real estate company Thompson Group. A more modest Winsun 3D printed house on display at the Sun Tzu Industrial Park is one of 20,000 ordered by the Egyptian government. At a press conference, Ma Yi announced the creation of Winsun Global, collaboration with an American firm that will expand into countries around the world with the aim of providing cheap and efficient homes for low-income families. Cheap Chinese homes. The company will build 3D construction factories in more than 20 countries, including the US, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, Qatar, Morocco and Tunisia. Its engineers are currently working on a printer that turns desert sand into building material. Cheap, fast houses are now joined by cheap, fast blocks of flats. If only we could 3D print cheap, fast land to build them on. Synthetic milk goes commercial. In 2014, I reported on two American biohacker groups collaborating to engineer yeast to make the milk proteins used in cheese... ...to make cow-free cheese, or, as they styled it, real vegan cheese. Now some entrepreneurs from Silicon Valley are working to bring yeast-based milk to market. The company is called Move Free. Founder Ryan Pandya aims to reinvent milk using just 6 of the 20 proteins that make milk, milk. Move Free say they will insert DNA sequences from cattle into yeast cells grow the cultures at a controlled temperature and the right concentrations, and then harvest milk proteins after a few days. In reality, they're probably synthesising DNA sequences that are similar to the cow DNA, but compatible with yeast. This is the way that synthetic DNA is used to make yeast grow human insulin for diabetic people to use. The recipe is 6 key proteins for structure and function, 8 key fatty acids for flavour and richness. The fats in the synthetic milk come from plants, where the fat is somehow being processed to taste similar to milk fat. The sugars and minerals are added separately rather than try to remake the lactose that many people around the world can't digest. The synthetic milk is expected to cost twice as much as cow's milk, at least at first. It should be enormously cheaper when it's mass-produced. The question raised by the biohacker groups is why should you synthesise cow's milk? when you could synthesize any kind of milk. If they produce tiger milk, narwhal milk, and other exotic animal milks, then natural cow's milk can't compete in the marketplace. It's too plain. For that matter, why not synthesize human milk and so guarantee that we can all drink it without harmful effects? It's the natural food we evolved for. A collection of plant fats and sugars emulsified with proteins expressed by yeast altered with synthetic DNA based on animals. Yummy. Medical tattoos. The stick-on device measures blood sugar on the surface of skin instead of inside the blood. People with diabetes have to prick their fingers up to eight times a day to monitor their blood sugar. The new device sticks to the skin for a day and monitors blood sugar without causing pain. The blood sugar tattoos only cost a few cents per daily application. The sensor was developed and tested by graduate student M. A. Bandekar and colleagues in Professor Joseph Wang's laboratory at the Nanoengineering Department and Center for Wearable Sensors at the Jacobs School of Engineering at the University of California, San Diego. The team printed electrodes onto standard temporary tattoo paper and paired this with a sensor. After each meal, the electrodes apply a current for about 10 minutes. People with diabetes have trouble breaking down the sugar glucose. The current from the temporary tattoo draws the glucose up near the skin's surface between the skin cells where the levels can be measured without breaking the skin. The glucose is carried by sodium ions which have a positive charge. By measuring how strong the charge is just under the skin, the sensor estimates how much glucose is in the bloodstream. The next step is to make the sensor work continuously, and to make it easier for the wearer to read the glucose level onto a display or Bluetooth device. The sensor could be extended to detect many other things that need monitoring in the blood. Their paper, Tattoo-Based Non-Invasive Glucose Monitoring, a proof of concept study, was published in the journal Analytical Chemistry. The world is waiting for a functional temporary tattoo. To Ian Wolf on Diffusion Science Radio. Send emails to science at diffusionradio.com. We're brought to you across Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast over the internet on www.diffusionradio.com. Mel Fuller is founder of an initiative called 3Farm and co-founder of Maker's Place, a makerspace in Leichhardt in Sydney. I began by asking her how Maker's Place came to be.
2: It started in a kitchen at a friend's house in Stanmore so two good friends of mine Yasmin Smith and Grace Turtle and the girls we were hanging out with so our outside group of friends talk about how amazing it would be to have a workspace that we would all work out of doing our different things so we're all makers of some sort but really what we were talking about which we didn't know at the time was a maker space and yeah so couple of us had a fascination with 3d printing and we purchased a 3d printer and it all began from there really.
1: What sort of things go into making a maker space?
2: Lots of community involvement so volunteer time with skill sharing like elbow grease a lot of elbow grease Um, for us this space was quite run down. So we got some community donations from the local hardware store and manufacturing companies around the place. And we had time donated from, you know, our connections. So yeah, lots of community involvement. So to really get it kick-started, you've got to have a bit of a team behind the vision, I guess. And to keep it going, (laughs) you need to be putting on activities quite regularly and just helping people understand what the what they do here so people who are tinkerers or technologists already who are makers already it clicks straight away but for people who are on the outskirts of the that kind of world need to help them understand what you can do here so you can fix things you can even sharpen your knives you know just trying to bridge that gap so yeah there's a couple of things i guess to keep the makers place going. Keeping it safe is really important, you know, not just to tick a box but also to help people feel safe when they're in here. Yeah, and just encouraging people to share their knowledge by introducing members to other members is really important.
1: And do you have a technical background?
2: In a way, I do. I'm I have a background in, in implementation, so I worked as a production manager in a really fast-paced design and print company for eight years, so I would work alongside designers. I would take their concepts and get them made, so I didn't do a lot of physical making of things, but I did a lot of organisation and timelining and scheduling and budgeting and ordering of materials and researching materials yeah so everything a production manager pretty much does so I learn a lot by throwing in the deep end yeah
1: and so you're facilitating people making things
2: yeah pretty much the middleman between the concept and the final product I guess so yeah I guess I have a little bit of technical experience yeah.
1: And that sounds ideal for this sort of space. If you're running workshops and events for people who are at all levels of skills, yeah. then they need someone to help them work out how to get where they're going to go.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's, I guess that's right. And it's there's a lot of sending people to other people that's going on more than you know me demonstrating how to build something with my hands and then people following on from that so yeah it's a lot of connectivity and networking um that's kind of the role that I've played in my previous career and I've tended to play now and I think it's just because I like people I like dealing with people I don't think many people can say that they that's something they like but I do really like it and um yeah.
1: So what sort of events do you run here?
2: So we're doing a monthly event, uh, which is a show-and-tell type event. The first one that we have happening is a pilot, and it will be on Valentine's Day. And we want you to share share your love, (laughs) so share your passion. Come and tell us about what you're making and how you make it. And uh, in turn, people will learn from you. You know by you sharing the process you undertake to create things so yeah that will be happening once a month so stay tuned for that and we also get we get community groups in so we've had a a school group in you know we get smaller school group students coming in to do major works Um, we get general public in just just wondering what is going on in here Um, and then we also have makers the events we've held also have been for commercial businesses where they come in and they do team making so rather than going to strike bowling they come in here and learn a thing or two in a fun way but yeah as we grow and grow we plan to do market stores out here in the forum and yeah any suggestions we're mm. <laughs> open for you to come in and tell us about
1: and so you're here in the italian forum in Leichhardt. so you've got windows people can see in and you've got access to the whole plaza here
2: Yeah, we do. So we got a relationship with the Actors Centre, which is across the piazza from us and they, uh, you know, they have the lease for the the big opened area and um, they're really big supporters of what we're doing. So in March... Leichhardt Council has an event called Lost, and it's an artwork trail, so you can come down and check out some of our members' public artwork. There'll be Yasmin Smith showing her Broom Sphere, which has been exhibited at the MCA before. It's a pretty incredible piece of upcycled art. And we'll also be doing the next, the second consecutive show and tell event that time too. We have desktop 3D printers. So we have two MakerBots, an Ultimaker, FlashForge, and a B, which is a machine out of Portugal. And we have also a machine out of Wollongong, so local makers of 3D printers. And that's called a Me3D. So these guys, these machines all print with polymer and rubbers, and we have wooden type filaments. We've got a couple of 3D doodling pens. Um, we have arts and crafts supplies. We have got an industrial sewing machine, an overlocking sewing machine, and two just regular sewing machines. We've got a clay throwing wheel, we have a drop saw, drill press, and sanding and linishing tools. And we have standard drills and an array of all different hand tools. Yeah, and we've had most of our tools have been donated from the community, which is really great. And yeah, so we give them a new home rather than them being thrown away. We take them on and fix them up and get them going again. You know, if people do want to launch a makerspace before acquiring any equipment, put it out there, put a call out to the community because you'll find, uh, you know, an unbelievable amount of support around that. We started with one 3D printer and now we have. We've got. We got six 3D printers and they're either on loan or they've been donated by local architects. So at, at the moment we're still running a bit of a small ship so we have about 12 members yes. and they all have different types of frequencies that they come in here and we've got a core group of about six people who um, actually formed our committee as we registered for as a non-for-profit association. So. So yeah, we're all run by volunteers, and yeah, so you know, rather small scale at the moment, but we're looking to build it up, yeah, over time. (laughs) Okay, so we've got um, we've got a a fashion designer working out of the space, and she's prototyping a range of shoes on the printers, and she's collaborated with a shoe make a space which is actually around the corner from us down there on Parramatta Road. So she's made a range of shoes and actually just got hired to work for Shoes of Prey. So she wouldn't have been able to do that if she wasn't able to make a range of prototypes here. We've got a budding entrepreneur who wants to bring out a, a contraption that will cut coconuts. So yeah, Jeff he's creating the prototypes here at the space We have Matt, who is a retired technical writer (laughs) slash technology enthusiast, who just comes in here to fix the things people break. He just loves pulling things apart and putting them back together. We've got another member, Conroy, whose day job is to fix printers for a living. And he has a massive fascination with 3D printing, and he just comes in here for the love of it. And then we've got a ceramicist using the throwing wheel and an artist yeah, making sculptures yes. with the 3D printing. So lots of different things. Oh, and we also have Joy, <laughs> who makes all sorts of electronic goodies. She just made a microphone out of an old Coke can, which is pretty nifty. So you can find us on www.makersplace.org.au. So Makers Place is initiative started by 3Farm and there's more information about 3Farm and Makers Place on www.threefarm.com, and that's the word three, not the number three.
1: Well, Melissa Fuller, thank you very much.
2: Yeah, thank you very much, Ian.
1: <laughs> that was Mel Fuller, maker of Makers. You can find out more about the Makers Place in Leichhardt at www.makersplace.org.au. And finally, it's three-minute thesis time. Bronwyn Milkins from the University of Western Australia asks us, can retraining your thinking improve your sleep?
3: We'll go ahead and have our second presenter come up, Bronwyn Milkins. Bronwyn is a PhD student in the Centre for the Advancement of Research on Emotion in the School of Psychology. Bronwyn is supervised by Winthrop Professor Colin McLeod and Dr. Patrick Clark. Outside of her research, Bronwyn is passionate about building mentally healthy communities and is regularly invited to deliver presentations on mental health to high schools, university students, and community groups. Other hobbies include trail running in Perth's beautiful national parks, David Attenborough documentaries, and cute animals. Bronwyn's thesis title is Determining the Role of Information Processing Biases in Insomnia. And her three-minute thesis title is, Can retraining the way you think improve your sleep? Imagine you are in bed, about to drift into sleep. Suddenly, your brain has other plans. Don't we have an assignment due tomorrow? This is a great time to replay the awkward conversation you had with your boss today. The next morning, you are staring blankly at your computer screen, second Red Bull in hand, having had zero sleep the previous night. After months of this, your doctor gives you the diagnosis, insomnia. I say imagine, but for the two million Australians who experience insomnia every night, this situation is all too real. My PhD seeks to understand the reasons why 6 out of 10 adults do not get good sleep and explores the potential benefits of a new approach to treating insomnia. This approach uses what we know about the way anxious people think to improve sleep. You see, just like insomniacs, people with anxiety pay more attention to negative worrying thoughts than to more positive ones. Thankfully researchers have discovered that we can retrain anxious people's attention away from worry using an approach called attention bias modification. Unlike traditional therapies this approach doesn't require any conscious alteration of thinking and behaviour. Instead it it involves completing simple computer-based tasks. I wanted to know Could retraining people's attention in the small period of time just before bed, when worry is most problematic, improve sleep? Over four nights, I asked students to complete a task that retrained attention away from negative words, like fatigue, and then to complete sleep diaries each morning. What participants didn't know is that on every second night, instead of completing the retraining task, they completed a control task we found that completing the retraining task just before bed decreased worry and helped them fall asleep faster compared to those nights when they completed the control task. In short, retraining attention improved sleep. If I split the room about here, you now represent the 6 out of 10 adults who experience insomnia, but less than half of you will receive the help you need. The results from my research could be used to design a mobile phone app that is effective, cheap and accessible in people's own homes, shifting us into a 21st century healthcare system. Imagine you are in bed. Instead of worrying about that awkward conversation with your boss, you complete a short mobile phone task and fall asleep just like that.
1: You can find out more about the 3-Minute Thesis competition at www.3minutethesis.org.
0: In the laboratories of your name here, there is a modest sign. And here, dedicated scientists face the challenge. Years of heartbreaking failures and setbacks only stiffen their resolve to conquer the problem. And one day, a strange and historic accident. Uh-oh. Well, you did it again. Gee, what a mess. Oh, well. Wait a minute. Maybe... Listen. I get... Do you suppose this freak accident... Of course. That's it. That's the answer. We've done it. After all these years, we've invented it. How about that? Oh, no, no. That's no kind of a thing to say. This has got to be some sort of a line that'll get quoted, like, uh... Well, how about this? What has God wrought? Good. Good. Beautiful. Let me get that down. And with those historic words, the search was over. No longer a dream, but a reality was your product here.
1: And that's all from us this week on Diffusion. Would you like to hear your voice on Diffusion? Would you like to join us? We need more people contributing stories to Diffusion. You can send your contributions, opinions, congratulations, standing ovations, gasps of amazement, helpful suggestions and donations to science at diffusionradio.com. That's science at diffusionradio.com. And please do send me an email so I know you're listening and you'd like to hear more episodes. Please like the Diffusion Science Radio page on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Checking production was Charles Willock. I produce Diffusion, which is broadcast around Australia on the community radio network, including two Triple H in Hornsby, Karengai, two NVR in Nambucca Valley, two XXX in Canberra, and three MBR in the Mallee border districts of Victoria and South Australia. Diffusion is syndicated globally on the National Science Foundation's Science 360 internet radio station and also on astronomy.fm. You can now hear Diffusion on Stitcher. Radio on demand and on the go. Download the free app from Stitcher.net and review Diffusion. Subscribe to our podcast on the Diffusion website, www.diffusionradio.com. That's www.diffusionradio.com. And check the website for links and photos about this week's show. Ask your local radio station to broadcast Diffusion. I'm Ian Wolfe. Join us inside your audio device of choice for more science wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio.